You with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's up, everybody? Week 12 is almost done. Our playoff hopes, are they alive? Are they dead? Hopefully they're alive for you. Yeah. Dwindling, maybe. Dwindling? (laughs) Let's see. (laughs) Uh, Well, what's up, everybody? Hope everyone is doing well on this Monday morning. Um, Crazy week 12. A lot of running backs filled in for us this week. Most of them came through, right? Uh, Most of them, right? Uh, I'm still tilting on Travis Etienne. Uh, being just fine, apparently, to come back into the game, but Doug Peterson decided not to because he wanted everybody who had Travis Etienne to just uh, get the L. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I was I was at the I was at the bad end of that in a couple leagues this week. So him yeah. leaving early in that game did not help me at all. Mm. But if you uh, if you had Travis Etienne in your lineup yesterday, you felt the same way you, yeah that's that's tough i i feel bad for you because he was sitting there i thought it was weird that he came out back onto the field and he wasn't in street clothes i was like okay why is he in uniform like he could easily just step back onto the field he should be coming out and in that type of game where it's like you know the jaguar super bowl for the season i mean the jaguars aren't making the playoffs we, we see that and trevor lawrence played well but why would you not put travis Etienne in like you're playing for pride why would you not put Etienne in he looked like he was fine to go Obviously, like we say all the time on this podcast, we're not doctors, but that would be annoying. Yeah. 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 And I, I'm tilting a little bit, too, this week for the first time, I think, this season. Why are you and, tilting? Oh, Devontae Adams. I mean, he got a couple targets, but throughout, like, the entire fourth quarter, I need one point. Just just a little context here. I need a one point from either Bryce Perkins, Justin Herbert after he got the two-point conversion, which wasn't going to happen, or Devontae Adams catch a pass. And... The Raiders go to overtime. They proceed to not throw to Devontae Adams on the first drive. They punt it. Seattle gets it on their own 46 or something. They go nowhere with it. They get my hopes up. They punt it back to the Raiders. And then on that fateful play that put Josh Jacobs over 303 yards on the day, they score the touchdown to win the game. And Devontae Adams registers no targets through the last seven minutes of the fourth quarter and the entirety of overtime. He couldn't muster a point. For me to win my game, <laughs> so I'm tilting a little bit today too. I, I'm feeling it. I lost by one, so it, it's all right. I'm, I'm not out of it, but it definitely could have used that win because I wasn't. I wasn't thinking anything was going to come out of this week. I Brian Robinson helped me this week, which was weird. I wasn't expecting yeah. that. Um, yeah. We'll get to him later, but um, yeah, I'm I <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you, man. I, I you know, this is a tough time of year, man. You know, we're all fighting for our playoff playoff lives here. We got two more weeks. Weeks 13 and 14, you know, must win weeks for a lot of people. All right, let's let's do our best. Let's try to, you know, set our lineups the best we can. There are a couple of guys you can potentially pick up off waiver, waivers this week, and we'll get to that. Uh, a little bit of a preview to our waiver wire episode that we do on Tuesdays. Uh, and we'll talk about all that today. So um, let's get into it, man. Um, Miles Sanders. We got dude, some George, people built in in the comments. George, Miles Sanders <laughs> raw dogged my team. <laughs> <laughs> blow my 30 point lead man uh, man this is a family show george uh not really but you know that was it, it, it i i was on the bat in the mile sanders last night too to be honest with you i was going up you know it was a close game for me in our league and yeah. then i was going up against aaron jones and miles sanders right uh you know christian watson you know obviously you know he was able to come through but uh it wasn't enough i have jonathan taylor tonight but i doubt he has a 40 point game um <laughs> you never but, know yeah Never you know. never know. You never know. It's funny because Christian know. Watson had a very similar stat line in terms of fantasy production this week as he did last week. Yeah. Because I, know. He, I think it was 21 points again, which is which is pretty cool. Christian Watson, man, he's doing good. You know, he, he looked really good regardless of the matchup. I think he could have scored more last night, but, you know. He's a good player. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk line. about that real quick. Jordan Love, you know, had to come in for Aaron Rodgers, right? Yep. Aaron Rodgers has an oblique injury. In addition to the broken thumb, they pulled him yesterday. Uh, and Jordan Love came in and threw yet another touchdown to Christian Watson. That's six touchdowns in three games for Watson. He went over 100 yards in this game. He, he showed it all now. He can catch it deep for a touchdown. 
he's used in the red zone. Even that Randall Cobb touchdown, Rodgers looked for Watson first. He was the first read on that play. That's what it looked like, at least. Yeah. And, you know, Chris Collins there, so Cobb ended up scoring. Yeah, Chris Collinsworth brought us right through that play, his reads. I remember he he was, you know, painting on the screen or whatever. He looked, here's the one read, here's two read, here's the three read, and Cobb was the last read on that play. But, yeah, that's that's, that's definitely worth noting. Yeah. And then, like, and then last night, so he caught the long one. He's using the red zone. And then last night, we saw a 63-yard catch and run. Like, he probably caught the ball, what, like 10 to 15 yards down the field? And then, like, (laughs) maybe even less. And then he just, like, took it 63 yards. Unbelievable, man. Like, the the angle that he went, like, to get get around the defenders to go up the sideline. And, you know, he just makes everybody look slow. Yeah. And it's it's crazy, dude. So he ended up leading the Packers with six targets, 24% target share. Alan Lazard ended up with only four targets this week. Now, listen, man, I'm curious to see if we're ever going to see Aaron Rodgers play football again. Like, will he be back this year? Right? Is the injury serious enough to keep him out? And if it is, you know, there's a good chance that he retires after this year. Yeah. I, I, it's true. Like I said, we talked a little bit a couple of days ago on the podcast about maybe a potential swap. It was totally a rumor with the Raiders, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires because his, this last season without Devontae Adams has been so unceremonious. You know, he's just looked terrible and he's fed up with his players. You know, there were a couple moments last night where he was happy, you know. He, he was doing his fist pump, and he was looking good. Um, but ultimately, there's another loss. And in a playoff field, I mean, there's no reason to really put Aaron Rodgers back out there, I don't think. I think they could just use this last few weeks as a Jordan Love experiment because at 4-8, and eight, the most wins they can have is 9, and that's if they run the table. And Washington is a 7 seed with 7 wins already. So you'd be there's a lot of moving parts that would be required for the Packers to make the playoff. I don't see that happening. We could see more Jordan Love than Aaron Rodgers. I think you're right. We might have seen the last of Aaron Rodgers in the NFL. We'll see. If it is Jordan Love moving forward, you know, he looked all right. You know, and what it comes yeah. comes down to is this. They just keep starting Christian Watson. Like, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Right? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter who the quarterback is. Just he can get it done. So just keep starting him. You know, if, you, if you've been starting him over the past couple of weeks, he has definitely helped you. For sure. Yeah, definitely um, helped you. Yeah. Especially when you leave him on the bench for 31 points. I mean, that doesn't help you as much. But, you know, no. some people did that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> that was uncalled for. <laughs> hey, hey, Mike White, Mike White won you your your Jets. He won you your, your game. So it, it's OK. It balances out. I wouldn't make that joke in a week that the Jets lost. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about the Jets. Let's talk about Mike White real quick, man. Jets offense looked way better. You know, he was efficient. Yeah. He threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. It feels like whenever any other Jets quarterback comes on the field, they can run this offense to a T. Like, it's yeah. pretty easy for them, right? And Garrett Wilson was able to showcase his ability as an alpha wide receiver, right? Five for 95, two touchdowns on eight targets, 29% target share. The clear leader, right, like in this yeah. receiving core right now. And clear target leader for, 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 um, for Mike White. And no one else had more than three targets in this game. Now, it was great to see Elijah Moore catch that touchdown, right? First of the season. Yeah. We had to wait all we had to wait until week twelve uh for him to do do that. Uh, but he only ran a route on thirty five percent of dropbacks and he only had two targets. So not someone I'd be looking to start next week. Okay. Uh, yeah. But Wilson, I think it's worth rostering Elijah Moore because he's on a lot of waiver wires. But uh, Wilson, I'm starting him next week as a as a wide receiver too, easily. Yeah, I, I think Wilson should be a wide receiver too moving forward as long as it's not. Oh Zach wait, Wilson, a quarterback. they're going up against the Vikings. Oh my goodness! Do we need to raise Dude, him? Is he? A, I is might he have a wide to put him in like one? top top fifteen, maybe top sixteen, like against the Vikings. Could he be wide receiver one? Maybe. Yeah, I maybe. don't know. We'll, we'll have to I see. But I guess you're gonna have to find out on Thursday when we do a wide receiver <laughs> ranking show. <laughs> right. That's right. And move to Thursday because, you know, there's yes. no more buys, no more sells. At least we're assuming that your trade deadline is up. Uh, yes, but Elijah Moore, yeah, don't don't pay any attention to Elijah Moore catching a touchdown. I mean, it's great. You know, cool. I'd like to see him more involved, you know, just as a football fan. We think he's a good receiver. I know you think he's a good receiver. I'd love to see him more involved. Maybe he can come back, make some sort of comeback and, you know, salvage the rest of the season. But um, I, I'd say the odds are against him right now, especially competing with Garrett Wilson. 
And we talked about that um, coming into the season that Garrett Wilson might get some more run than maybe even Elijah Moore than, than we anticipated coming in because they drafted him so high. But um, with Mike White at quarterback or anybody besides Zach Wilson, you know, these receivers are startable. Um, not so much Elijah Moore, but Garrett Wilson, um, definitely someone that you want to be starting next week. And like you said, with Minnesota, that's a nice little nugget right there. I, I wouldn't maybe hesitate to keep him out of the top 12. We'll see. I mean, that's it's, just... It's going to be hard down to because the match is too analysis. Good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also, uh, Michael Carter, keep an eye on his status this week. He hurt his ankle. No word on whether it's a low ankle, high ankle. We have no idea what the severity is. Um, yeah. But Bam Knight, Zonovan Knight, he takes over as the early down back after he gets hurt. Uh, James Robinson was a surprise healthy scratch for this game. Uh, Ty Johnson's role didn't change much when Michael Carter got hurt. He's still like the passing down guy. Uh, so Bam Knight, like he's the back to pick up here. Uh, Ty Johnson, you know, remained the passing down guy when, you know, like, you know, with, with Bam Knight playing on early downs and Knight ended up going over a hundred yards on 17 touches. Um, a note on Knight coming out of college. Okay. He's a rookie. He was productive every year in college. He caught 20 balls each of his last two seasons, which is pretty good for college ball. And he caught 95.5% of his targets last year, which was first among this year's running back class, um, at least amongst the ones who had at least 20 targets last year. The big one for me, the stat that stands out the most for Zonovan Knight when we, when we were doing you know, the analysis leading up to the draft is that among all 182 running backs who had at least 100 carries in the FBS last year, he was ninth among those 182 running backs in missed tackles force per rush which is something which is a stat that we look at to kind of like see like hey is this guy going to be good in the nfl and there's a little bit of correlation to that compared to a lot of the other running back stats that we see um so he's a good physical runner he has some speed he's shown that he can catch he returns he returned kicks in college pretty successfully so i'll be looking to pick him up off the wave wire this week um obviously we have to see how serious carter's injury is and maybe James Robinson ends up, you know, being more involved than we think he's going to be. But there is a clause, you know, in this trade with the Jaguars that if he has X amount of production, then that six round pick turns into a fifth round pick. So if they ended up not liking what they saw in James Robinson, if he's not that much better than Bam Knight, and we have reason to think that he's not, then maybe they just kind of leave him. And you know, leave him on the shelf because why give up a fifth round pick when you can just give up a sixth round and have similar production? Right, that's one hundred percent true. I personally think that James Robinson should start over Zonovan Knight at least for another week. I'm I was confused why he was a healthy scratch. It was weird with the healthy scratches in um, this game and just players not coming up. Like the whole Trevor Simeon thing right before the game, you know, in this in this matchup was weird. Um, so this, this is just a weird injury game. But Michael Carter being out and uh, James Robinson being out opened the door for Zonovan Knight. If anything, Zonovan Knight, you know, bought himself some time or at least another chance to show what he can do. He looked good. Uh, I think that he definitely should get another crack at it. Um, he's younger. And you talked about it. That contract clause might, you know, influence the Jets a little bit, making their decision as to who starts. Um, but I, I think James Robinson, they brought him in you know, to kind of be the guy that comes in and covers for Brees Hall. But if Zaman Knight could do that, you know, maybe maybe we see more of him. I think next week we might see James Robinson. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him get that type of workload that Zaman Knight got. Uh, but if he doesn't do much with it, you know, I don't think he's at that threshold yet where if they use him next week, he's not going to – like they're going to be out their fifth-round pick instead of the sixth. So it's, it, might- it's interesting. It's interesting because they were using Zaman Knight before Michael Carter got hurt. Um, you know, he had several opportunities in that first half before Michael Carter got hurt. So it's all, it's almost like they intended to use Zonovan Knight in this game to replace James Robinson because he was kind of playing that James Robinson role to start the game. Um, and now you have Zonovan Knight going over 100 yards on his opportunities. I think this is a situation where the Jets are just kind of like, let's see what we have in Bam Knight. Oh, OK, like he, this dude can play. I think he might be the guy next week. It's a tough matchup against Minnesota, but if the Jets can move the ball through the air, he could potentially put up some points. Yeah. I don't know. This is just speculation, and I don't know how attached the Jets are to Ty Johnson and Michael Carter, but maybe they look at, we brought in Brees Hall, who we know is good. He's just injured. And we brought in Zonovan Knight, you know, who can spell him. Do we need to keep these other guys on the roster? You know, maybe they just clear house 
get young at the running back position. They're on contracts that they're going to be very affordable for the next few years. Maybe that's what they want to do. And that could yeah. be the case. So I, I don't think that's completely out of the question. You're right. Um, if John, not Jonathan Taylor, if James Robinson goes to the Jets and he just gets, you know, laid off by the Jets pretty much, uh, the AFC East is going to become the new place for running backs to go to die because Naeem Hines did the same thing going to the Bills. Like, he's not getting any touches. James Robinson goes to the AFC East. He doesn't get any touches. Now he, he was a healthy scratch. That's just something, an interesting trend that I'm seeing. But that would be something to have two running backs that were traded at the deadline and they don't, well, not so much at the deadline, but traded before the deadline and they both get zero run on their new teams. I, I find that very odd. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And, you know, you know, Mike, it's also because, you know, like look at what James Robinson did in, in Jacksonville this year. Like to start the year, he was doing his thing, but like very quickly he became extremely inefficient, you know? And yeah, um, I did like, if you, if you saw our rookie draft kit, you know, Bam Knight was somebody that I was targeting later in dynasty drafts because of the fact that, you know, some of these numbers popped off. Right. And he was an interesting runner, even on the film, he was a pretty physical runner. And I, I think in my notes, I wrote in that blurb that I wrote in the rookie draft kit, I wrote that he's one of those guys that I haven't seen defenders like fall off of him like mm-hmm. any other running back in this class. That's kind of how, how I said it, like in terms of his, his physicality. So that was something that was kind of interesting that kind of left off the page for me. So we'll see. Um, I'm looking to pick him up because I think there could be some upside here. If the Jets defense can play well throughout the rest of the year and they could be in all the games that they play with Mike White being a better option at quarterback with their with their offense like kind of staying elevated here, the early down back could have some usage usage here. Yeah, with Mike White, I'm not going to spend too much more time on Mike White, but with Mike White, I'm going to say that the Jets offense can definitely, it's definitely going to be at a level where it's going to be much better than what we saw with Zach Wilson playing. I mean, the last few weeks. It's weird because Zach Wilson looked serviceable, you know, before the debacle against the Patriots, but the Patriots have, you know, just eaten him alive so far in his career. He's played him a couple of times and they just beat him up. But um, Mike White, I think he's definitely earned himself some time um, yeah. to, to, to get some run in this offense. He's going to look good. And I think even if he comes down, I think what we saw from him was like 100% of his ceiling. He looked really good yesterday in the rain. Even if he comes down to 70%, this is an offense that's going to score 20, 24 points a game. And with a good defense, that's going to keep you competitive in every game. So the running backs will be, I think, relevant. Let's move on to Josh Jacobs, man. Can you, can you please talk about what Josh Jacobs did last night? Like, holy shit, dude. Yeah. 33 carries, 229 yards, two touchdowns. What a game. It was just ridiculous and this was like a weird takeover game um i wasn't expecting this he's been relatively quiet you know the past few weeks he's still been getting it done for you but it wasn't anything close to that 30 point 30 point 30 point run that he had a couple weeks ago earlier in the season um but this was just ridiculous he had a very good game going for him already prior to overtime and you know as you know i was a little bit tilted because i kept using him but josh jacobs man 48 points 303 yards from scrimmage like you know we saw joe mixon do his thing he got 55 points but that was by virtue of five touchdowns the yardage total wasn't anything close to what josh jacobs was doing we knew this was going to be a pretty good matchup for josh jacobs coming in because you know seattle they've been in a couple shootouts and the raiders we know their defense has been terrible and this game was ridiculously high scoring at halftime and we knew that this was going to be the case at that point that someone was going to have a big game i expected it to be Devontae adams he was you know oddly quiet coming into it and going through the game, as you know, because I had Devonta Adams, but Josh Jacobs, man, just took over this game, and he's looking so good. Um, if I'm not mistaken, did they decline his fifth year option? I think that was the case because uh, it looks like they made a pretty bad decision with that. Now they're gonna have to pay him um, a lot if they want to keep him, and you don't usually pay running backs a lot, but Josh Jacobs, man. I don't know where this came from. It's just blowing me away. I didn't see this come from at all just because the usage has never been this way. They got away from using him like they were earlier in the season, but now they're back to it, I guess. And that's the way it's going to be moving forward. 33 carries is no joke. 229 yards on the ground is just ridiculous. That was just the story of the fantasy story of the week coming in the game. 100%. So um, let's talk about Hollywood Brown real quick. He ended up leading the Cardinals in targets in his first game back. Um, Hopkins, you know, still got it done with four catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. But Marquise Brown was not limited at all. No. 
he ran a route on 33 or 34 dropbacks. He ran three more routes than Hopkins did. So start him with confidence next week as a wide receiver too if he didn't this week. And by the way, Hollywood ran most of his routes from the slot. I don't know how good that is. Like it's it's good because he'll get the targets, but I like Hollywood to be targeted downfield more. Maybe when Rondell Moore comes back, that'll happen, but whatever, I'll take it. Uh, yeah. Kyler only threw the ball 29 times, which isn't normal for him. So expect more targets to go around next week. Um, expect, you know, they ran the ball 25 times with James Conner in this game, which isn't normal, but it made sense given the matchup the advantage that they had on the ground. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought it was funny because we're now talking about Marquise Brown. Suddenly he's in the slot and more questionable Cliff Kingsbury coaching decisions and where they're running routes from. It's just ridiculous. Rondo Moore on the outside. Then Marquise Brown comes back and using him in the slot. It makes no sense, but it's okay. You know, we'll, we'll deal with it. Um, you talk about wasting no time getting him involved. I think he was the first target of the game. You know, they talked about him maybe being limited. Kyler Murray looked right to him on the first play and he continued to look to him, you know, throughout the, the contest. DeAndre Hopkins obviously had the better day because he scored that touchdown, but this is exactly the kind of usage we were seeing from Marquise Brown before, and that's what propelled him to, you know, he was actually a fantasy wide receiver one, I think low end. You know, I think that's where we were ranking him before he went down with the injury. So this is really good news for Marquise Brown owners. Um, 10 points in his return, you know, we weren't sure what we were going to get. I think that's okay. Uh, I'll take that. If I had him and I started him, chances are you had him as a wide receiver too, so that's all right. Um, but I think he could have wide receiver one upside moving forward. Um, the offense looked better yesterday. They kind of fizzled out at the end, obviously, because the Chargers were able to come back and win that game. But, um, you know, Kyler Murray looked more like Kyler Murray yesterday. And that, yeah, that's, no, that's sure. good news for Marquise Brown. Yeah, very good news for Marquise Brown. Um, you know, the fact that he, he came back, led the team in targets, and he led the team in routes means he's perfectly fine. He's good to go. He's ready to, ready to be back. So, um, you know, he could make a little playoff push for you guys moving forward. Latavius Murray, you know, he ended up playing an every down role for the Broncos. 82% of snaps played on two minute snaps, played on third down, uh, you know, in addition to his normal early down role. Um, it's most likely Mike Boone gets that, you know, passing down role back once he's back from IR. Uh, could be as early as this upcoming week. Um, yeah. So he's he is eligible to be back this week. So keep that in mind. But like, you know, even someone who was as an inefficient as Murray, they have the chance to be efficient, you know, if they're getting the volume uh, like he did this week. Same thing we saw with Zeke the week, you know, on Thanksgiving. You know, it's like it's going to happen eventually. They're going to break off, you know, a run here or there. And, you know, Murray, despite him being 47 years old, like he's still able, <laughs> you know, to 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 get have production if he's going to be given that type of those type of snaps and that type of volume. Yeah, he, he beat everybody else out in his backfield by a mile. Um, I mean, I, I know they signed Marlon Mack, and he had a while ago, he had no you know influence on Latavius Murray's carries. Um, the problem with me is, I, this is the same problem I have with Damian Pierce, who we'll talk about soon, but um, Latavius Murray, he's in such a bad offense. I don't think it could get much worse watching this offense. You know, just yeah. as a side note to Latavius Murray. So this offense is so bad. It, it's just ridiculous. They got, a, they got set up inside the 15-yard line, I think. Um, on a interception or fumble, something. Um, there was a muff punt, something like that, and they proceeded to go zero yards with it and kick a field goal. Like that is just ridiculous for Russell Wilson, a quarterback. It, I can't so, stand this offense. Zach Stevens, who is the Broncos beat reporter, um, for the Denver.com, he tweeted out yesterday that the Broncos 14.3 points per game this year is the worst in the NFL since 2000. That's more than 20 years ago. Yeah. This is the worst offense in of 20 years. Pretty much. 20, tw last 25 years. And that's with Russell Wilson, at quarterback. It's just painful watching his offense sometimes. Latavius Murray, if he gets that type of work on moving forward, maybe he's a low-end RB2 for me. But yeah. that that's what we saw yesterday. I just I don't think him. it's going to continue. No, if, it's not. If, if Mike Boone ends up coming back, like it's over. And I'm, yeah. I, it's going to be really hard for me to start Murray most weeks. Yeah, no, it's, it's not going to continue. And, and we know that. We've known that with Latavius Murray. He's, you know, liable to lose his work anytime someone else steps into the backfield. But he, for this week, he was a, a low-end RB2. Um, if he gets this type of work every week, like I said, he'll be a low-end RB2. His upside is just non-existent. But, um, yeah, you're not going to want to start him if somebody else enters the backfield. Like you said, Mike Boone. You might be able to milk one more week out of him if Mike Boone, you know, takes a little bit more time coming back. Because at this point, there's no need to rush anybody back. Because his team ain't going anywhere. No. Mike Evans, 
extremely disappointing in this game. Yeah. We saw multiple long balls go his way, uh, but nothing really connected. Nine targets, but only two catches for 31 yards. That's a game to forget for Mike Evans. Um, he's been quiet over the last few games. Um, you know, I'm not sure what's going on. You know, like usually he's able to come through, but the last three games he's been very, very quiet. Um, I'm going to have to downgrade him a little bit. Obviously, you know, his ceiling is there, uh, you know, a- any given game, but we haven't, had, we haven't seen that ceiling this year. Uh, yeah. You know, early in the season, we saw some games, but lately it's been bad. Um, so I'm going to have to downgrade Mike Evans. Like I've been having him, you know, close to that wide receiver one spot as a top 15 wide receiver, but I'm going to have to downgrade him moving forward, especially in this matchup against the Browns. It was a good one, you know, and then you yeah. have Chris Godwin, you know, who ended up catching 12 or 13 targets for 110 yards in a touchdown <laughs> in a matchup where the Browns were really, really good against slot wide receivers this year. So yeah. I- I'm going to have to be ranking Godwin over Evans moving forward. Do you think Tom Brady has a new favorite target? <laughs> I don't know yeah. if Mike Evans was ever his favorite target. You know, you like to think that it would be, but, you know, the way Mike Evans has been playing, at least I don't want to attribute to it attribute it to his play because we know the talent that he is and we know Tom Brady can throw it to him, but nine targets, and only two catches. That's inexcusable. That's just a terrible, you know, performance for Mike Evans coming into this. And it was a good matchup for him. Um, we talked about him being a buy a couple of weeks ago. At least I did specifically, I think about him being a buy and he has just, you know, shit the bed completely yeah. these past few weeks. The upside has been non-existent. We know the upside. It's still there. You know, it's still there. It's not like it's gone. It's just, he keeps putting up these bad performances. He's probably lost a couple of weeks, but with Chris Godwin, He's been consistent, and now the production is starting to catch up to the volume that he's been getting. He's been getting consistent volume every week. He's had a super nice floor, and this week he came through with a nice ceiling. Um, 29 points in PPR off 12 catches. You know, he was a monster for PPR. And 110 yards and a touchdown, he's, he's fine for standard, too. He looked like the only receiver that was really getting anything done in the receiving game. Julio Jones had a couple catches here and there, but he's Julio Jones. You know, he's pretty much a compliment to these two anyway. Um, but as long as Tom Brady continues to hyper-target Chris Godwin, you know, you're in good shape with him. He might be a low-end wide receiver one for me now, you know, just based and, off the usage alone. And then on top of that, you have Rashad White, who played an every-down role, uh, you know, for the Bucks without Leonard Fournette. 90% of snaps, 14 carries, nine catches on nine targets. Uh, that's 23 touches for a total of 109 yards, no touchdowns. But in PPR, like, you're chilling. Like, that's yeah. great. Um, and if Fournette is back next week, you, you know, you have to downgrade White a bit, uh, but he's still startable. And I'd assume that he's going to be the 1A in that backfield, at least in the first game that Fournette is back for. Um, you know, who knows if Fournette's going to be 100%, you know, in his first game back. Who knows if it's even going to be this upcoming week? We have no idea. Um, yeah. But we'll we'll see what happens. But I think regardless, I think Rashad White um, is still very playable. If Fournette is, let's say if Fournette's 100% healthy, I still think that White might be a low-end RB2 something like that, you know, if Fournette is good to go. It would be a Tony Pollard-type upside situation. I, I mean, maybe not the touchdown upside because the offense hasn't been as good as Dallas has been of late. But, you know, well, he's liable, uh, he's liable I, I, to do really well with the touches that he gets, if, yeah, even if I, minimal. I, I see what you're saying. And, I, you know, I'm personally, uh, I think he has been a little disappointing, Rashad White, in terms of, efficiency and that sort of thing right like i would I have hoped that, yeah. to see more like with the thing with pollard is that you know he's so good yeah. <laughs> you know he's so efficient and then on top of that he's on a good offense um you know and the bucks like they're just you can't even consider them like a good offense anymore you know what i mean they're, they're um, very middle of the pack because they have good yeah. weapons they're just not producing up to the standard that we're and used to the great thing is that rashad white is a really good pass catcher so that's a plus. Tom Brady loves to check it down when he has a good running back um, yep. in the, uh, coming out of the backfield. So that's great. So those two things is why Rashad White is going to do well. And, you know, I was a big fan of Rashad White coming out. And I would have hoped that he would have played a little bit more efficient, you know, coming into this game and even in this game, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, this is great. Like, I'm glad the Bucks have, you know, confidence in him to play 90% of the snaps, you know, even with Gio Bernard back and, you know, they have Keyshawn Vaughn and all that. But, you know, I'm glad that Rashad White was able to do his thing with the touches that he got. He was productive, so so that's yeah. good. Um, but my concern with Rashad White when Fournette is completely healthy is that this turns into a 50-50 split and neither of these guys are super efficient. Um, yeah. That's my only concern there. The, the production, you know, when I when I say that, he's like 
Tony Pollard. This may have gotten a little mixed up. I could have clarified this. But the, the thing about Rashad White, the production might not be efficient like Tony Pollard. But when we talk about, you know, the touches swinging his way, you know, it could be like that once Leonard Fournette comes back, which means, you know, it's code for me saying, oh, like, I don't mind starting him if I have to, yeah. you know. Like, so you're saying he that be, he, could, he could still be the 1A in that. Yeah. Argument. So he's a low-end RB2 every week if Leonard Fournette comes back and he's healthy and, you know, he's getting touches. But like, you, like you've alluded to a couple of times in this podcast, and we've heard from beat reporters too, that Rashad White could take over this backfield at any time. It might be that situation like Tony Pollard has where, you know, one game he might get all the touches, one game he might get enough touches to be fantasy relevant, and some games he might be super quiet. But um, it's not so much the production I'm going to liken to Tony Pollard, but the way that the touches could swing is what I'm saying. That situation could resemble yeah. a lot like what we're seeing in Dallas right now. I can see that. Yeah, for sure. Um, another running back, um, you know, Travis Etienne, man, he got hurt early in this game. It was a foot injury. Uh, he did say after the game, and I quote, we'll be straight for next week. And that was Jags beat reporter John Shipley asking him how he's feeling after the game. It was initially concerning since it was the same foot as he previous is his previous list Frank injury. Uh, yeah. But hopefully, hopefully what he's saying is true that he'll be fine for next week. Uh, but also Doug Peterson did also say that uh, they could have put him back in the game, but they didn't want to risk anything. So right. Hopefully he's he'll be good to go next week. Jermichael Hasty, you know, played basically played an every down role while ETN was out. You know, he got he got some, put up some points. Could have been ETN's points. I'm tilting still. Yeah. Um, keep in mind that they just signed Daryl Henderson, who was inactive in his first week with the team. So you know, if ETN does miss time, then he could be active next week. You know, with Jermichael Hasty. And he, he could even get more touches than Jamaica Hasty. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but hopefully, ETM will be fine and he'll he'll be good to go, and you can play him next week. So, would you say you anticipate ETM playing? I know we're way far yeah, out yet. I would say so. I, I would yeah, anticipate I mean, him playing too. It seems all signs seem like he should be good to go. Yeah, like, and I I kind of point to the fact that he didn't, you know, get out of uniform. He was still in game uniform, and it looked like he could have gone in if he needed to, which is weird because it was a close game. I thought maybe if it was a close game, they'd put him back in. But they didn't. Um, Jermichael Hasty did his thing anyway. It looks like Jermichael Hasty is going to be a, a decent pickup, you know, if you need to, if Travis Etienne would miss time. But I, I don't think that's going to be the case. We just talked about Travis Etienne maybe starting. Um, you could stash him just in case if you have the bench space. But uh, Daryl Henderson, I'm not sure. You know, it'll be interesting to see. They did. They didn't trade for him or anything. They just picked him up. Maybe they just went him as depth. Um, they looked smart. You know, by picking up Daryl Henderson after Travis Etienne went down, but I'm not anticipating Daryl Henderson rotating too much into this backfield, especially you know if Travis Etienne's all right. It's not like he's going to be coming in and playing a one B role to Travis Etienne. Etienne is far and away a better talent, and Daryl Henderson looks like it's just depth at this point. But um, if it's Jermichael Hasty leading the backfield and Travis Etienne's out, Daryl Henderson could rotate in. I don't think his ceiling is very high, but if you need yeah. someone for their floor, you know. And you had him when he was on the Rams. He, I can see similar production to what he was doing on the Rams. You know, in yeah. If ETN doesn't practice all week, and Henderson, you know, obviously gets some practice time in, and ETN ends up missing, I don't expect him to miss. But if he does end up missing, then I think I would just avoid this backfield. Basically, I wouldn't start Hasty or Henderson. All right, that's fair. This that makes sense. It's not a good offense. Um, the Ravens defense came back to earth in a big way against Jacksonville, but you know. It, yeah, because who knows how involved Henderson will be, you know, and right. Hasty isn't that good of a running back. So I, I'm not sure I would bother personally. Yeah. Um, Jeff Wilson had an amazing matchup coming into this week against the Texans without Raheem Mostert. So, of course, he's going to average only three yards a carry. <laughs> 13, 13 carries yeah. for 39 yards. At least he scored before he got dinged up. Um, so he was out of this game for a little while. So that obviously, you know, didn't do any favors for his volume, but he did catch only one ball for 13 yards. Didn't have the most amazing day. Uh, the ceiling wasn't as high as it could. I mean, the, he didn't hit the, the the high ceiling that, you know, we thought he could hit this week. Um, had him as an RB1, but that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff Wilson, you know, it looked like he was going to have a good game, but the Dolphins offense went up. Not the Dolphins offense, just Dolphins team in general went up so fast in this game. Yeah. It's like, there was no chance for any type of fantasy production. They pulled Tua after halftime. You know, yeah, he didn't. Exactly. I don't think he played another snap. Tyreek Hill had 15 points. Jalen Waddle had 13. You know, it wasn't explosive at all, but they were up by 30 at halftime. Yeah. So it's like, 
where did the points go? You know, how did we get here so fast without any of these players doing anything? I mean, obviously, Jeff Wilson, he did, he said he did score that touchdown. But outside of that, I mean, no noteworthy fantasy performance came out of this game. A lot of people just kind of, you know, got their knees chopped by this performance because they didn't play half the game. You know, yeah, so if you started these guys, you're probably upset a little bit. Um, Houston made a bit of a game at the end, and maybe you thought they put the starters back in just for one more run at glory, but um, that didn't happen. So it looks like I, I'm not worried about any of these players. You know, it's just the way the game script worked that they were way up on the Texans, and we thought that was going to happen. But Jeff Wilson, you know, he didn't really capitalize on a good matchup, and I, I was yeah. I was really surprised. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, T Higgins comes through let's move to this Bengals game uh you know he came through once again with Jamar Chase out he caught seven of nine targets for 114 yards and a touchdown Tyler Boyd man two catches for 16 yards again not coming through with Jamar Chase out it was a good matchup right and now yeah and now we're not going to start him next week with T with with Jamar Chase back and of course he's going to go off yeah <laughs> I'm sure he will <laughs> it looks like yeah. Jamar Chase is going to be back this week, though. Um, so you'll be able to start him, hopefully. Yeah. Trent Irwin had a really impressive catch. Um, yeah. You know, Tyler Boyd. I don't know. I don't want to say he's getting outplayed, but Tyler Boyd has been super quiet as of late. And he's kind of, I don't want to say he's looking expendable, but with Jamar, Jamar Chase coming back, you know, you can't really envision him having anything better, any better production than this. Um, but like you said, just because Jamar Chase is coming back, he's going to go off next week. We'll see. Of course. But um, T. Higgins, you know, he showed out again, like you said, and I was actually really happy to see that besides the fact that he, I was playing against him this week. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we talked about it like two weeks ago, I think it was. We said, you know, uh, T. Higgins has been awful quiet with Jamar Chase out. And then these past two weeks, he's done really well. So it's like maybe oh, yeah. we have a little power here. I don't know. But um, he, he, he looked really <laughs> good. Um, you know, he, Joe Burrow was throwing up those jump balls and that's where he's going to make his money. And he did definitely against a rookie corner who wouldn't. Right. If, if you yeah. watch a game, he was just beating him all day. You, you see this, see this in yep. the game, you know, good things are happening. And for those who are listening, Zach yeah. is tapping his head. The head top, yep. For the jump ball. <laughs> Samaje Piran, 17 carries, four catches on seven targets, 24 opportunities in this game, 80% of snaps, and he came through. Very yep. solid performance despite the tough matchup. He did end up getting a goal line carry and he ended up scoring uh, because they were able to move the ball uh, through the air. Piran looked good, man. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, he, he, he's a, I think he's a good player and, you know, he, he looked good. You can kind of understand why they want to like mix him in a little bit with Mixon. Um, but yeah, like I, I kind of like P Ryan whenever Mixon doesn't play, it kind of seems like he comes through, uh, even in a tough matchup, he was able to do his thing. Yeah. I mean, if you watch P Ryan, <laughs> it was one of the things I was kind of surprised at yesterday. He's like, okay, you know, breaking tackles and all that. Yeah. That he, looked, yeah. he looked really good. Like contact balance. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't elite but it was just like okay this guy's definitely he's not taking lightly the fact that he's getting the start today you know nope. he was out there to play football and he did and he turned in a good fantasy performance I, I was you know pleasantly surprised by that I've seen him play and I picked him up in the last week of last season thinking that he'd be able to do this type of thing and I think he got zero touches I remember it was really upsetting but um mm. Samaja P. Ryan, he he looks good I mean can we call him a handcuff I, I think we might be able to he's definitely a handcuff he's been yeah. a handcuff this whole time yeah Okay, he's been super quiet. I mean, we don't see Joe Mixon miss a lot. That's why maybe yeah. I was kind of, you know, well, I would I call mean, him a handcuff. We did see him miss a lot before last season. Yeah, before last season. And this season, and P. And P. Ryan, even before that last season, P. Ryan was coming in for him. I mean, we yeah. had Geo there too for like the season before that. But mm -hmm. in 20, 2020, 20, yeah, 2020, we, we saw a couple uh, P. Ryan games. Um, yeah. But yeah, but since Zach Taylor has been there, it seems like P. Ryan has been the guy. Yeah, and and he looked good. And like you said, this was against a good defense. So who knows? He could be really good against you know a bad defense. Like if he goes against yeah. the Texans. So you know he's one of those guys that you can you know have stashed. I picked P Ryan up multiple times. You know this year, <laughs> just, <Yep>. just just <laughs> just in case like Mixon were to go down, and you know it kind of worked out this week. Except uh, I didn't start him. Maybe I should have started him over. Uh, Maybe or Travis Etienne. That would have been nice. That would have been nice. Even you would, would never ever have caught us. You wouldn't have caught Faraz dead saying to start Samaj P Ryan over Travis Etienne. No. I way. will say this though. I mean, I only had P Ryan ranked, you know, two spots behind Etienne this week. Um, yeah. And and I was thinking about it. Not gonna lie. But you know why I was thinking about it? The Ravens because defense. Ravens defense number one. Number two. I'm like, listen, P Ryan. Like he's gonna be very involved in the pass game. Um, and Etienne hasn't been. Um, that was my only concern there, but it was, it was just at the end of the day, I'm not 
benching. Yeah, ETN. We, we know that's what it comes down to. We know the rule. Start your yeah, studs. Stupid rule. Stupid rule. <laughs> uh, hey, we've all been there. We've all been burnt. So it happens. Oh, man. All right, let's move on to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so Christian McCaffrey has a knee issue. It could be patellar tendonitis. That's what it seems like. Uh, it caused him to be out of the game for a while, you know, in and out the game. I was wondering why he wasn't on the field during the two-minute drill at the end of the first half or inside the five-yard line at times, uh, but it seems like that's why. And he yeah. came back in the game. You know, Jordan Mason starts to rotate with him after Elijah Mitchell was ruled out of the game with a knee injury, and it seems like he has another MCL sprain on his other knee. Um, doesn't see, Apparently, it's not as severe as the first MCL sprain, but the first one caused him to miss like six weeks. Or more than that. So it was six to eight weeks. That was the initial prognosis for him. So he'll probably miss some time. Um, yeah. Now, if this CMC injury isn't serious, and it doesn't seem to be, what it seems to me like, what it seems to be is that uh, moving forward, he might miss some practice time, but it doesn't look like he's going to miss games. Uh, still monitor this injury. But the problem with this is like, you know, with Mitchell out, CMC would have got all of the touches moving forward. Right. Yeah. Like from a fantasy perspective, it's like, all right, wheels up for CMC, put him back up at the RB one spot. But now he has a knee issue mm-hmm. and some and with this particular knee issue, apparently the best thing to do is, you know, have a little bit of load management. So it's possible that we see Christian McCaffrey and Jordan Mason, you know, as a, you know, kind of, you know, Mason isn't going going to be the guy to you know take Elijah Mitchell's role because Elijah Mitchell is a legit good running back. Yeah. Um, Jordan Mason, you know, it took him a while to even get these type of touches that we saw in yesterday's game. Uh, it took a couple of injuries for that to happen, but we'll see, right? It's possible that Tevin Coleman gets activated. I doubt he gets a lot of touches, but if Christian McCaffrey's good to go, if he, he can manage, I guess if there's any pain associated to this injury, if he can manage that pain just to kind of close out the year, I know that they have playoff and Super Bowl aspirations here are they going to you know give Christian McCaffrey you know 20-25 touches a game I'm not sure but with Elijah Mitchell kind of out of the way for the next several games maybe we have a little bit of a boost in Christian McCaffrey's value despite the the knee issues that he has going on right now himself right I wouldn't be mad as a Christian McCaffrey manager if they did load management this week and Elijah Mitchell misses a few more games and he comes back and he gets his full workload two weeks after that. I mean, unless you really need to win, um, you know, to get in the playoffs. It's really bad timing for this injury for Christian McCaffrey because definitely, like you said, I was 100% going to be like, yeah, Christian McCaffrey's back. He's the RB1 overall every week. But that's not the case now. He's going to be dealing with that injury. Um, We'll see how it affects him. He is on a better offense. Maybe... If he could just get some quality touches, you know, he'll be able to do his thing. But um, I don't think they're going to use him as a workhorse, um, especially if they're rotating Elijah Mitchell in, you know, even with him being on the team. Um, and Elijah Mitchell being healthy and Christian McCaffrey now being there. I was hoping he'd be able to get back up to that 40-point upside, but that's not going to happen at this point. I think he can get back to that. If they manage the injury the right way, he could be back to it as early as next week, assuming Elijah Mitchell's out, um, you know, for uh, more than one game or two. Um but yeah, with Christian McCaffrey being injured now and Jordan Mason, like you said, he looked all right. He didn't get a whole lot of work, but he looked all right. They're going to be rotating him in, definitely. And it's going to hurt his workload a little bit and it's going to cap his ceiling. So I, I think the fallout, the bottom line here with this whole event, the string of injuries is that Christian McCaffrey is going to be pretty much sitting right where we had him, you know, yeah, last week. I think so. I think he gets a little bit of a boost because I, I don't see Jordan Mason or Kevin Coleman, like taking like the money touches away. Like, yeah, you have an argument for putting in Elijah Mitchell in on certain in certain situations. But like if you have Jordan Mason on the field, when you have Christian McCaffrey on the sideline, you know what I mean? If you have Tevin Coleman on the field, when you have Christian McCaffrey on the sideline, it's like, what are we doing here? You know yeah, what I'm saying? So like I, I think because of that, he gets a little bit of, bit of a boost. Hopefully that that tendonitis isn't something that has to limit him too much. That's that's yeah. the hope. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, don't be surprised if Christian McCaffrey misses some practice time this week. Um, but hopefully he'll be good to go for the game. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, 23 charges for him. Pretty notable in CEH's first game. Missed 85% of the rushing share for that running back room. That's pretty solid. Uh, yeah. you know, And he got goal line work as well, and he ended up scoring. So I think he's a solid RB2 moving forward. You know, if the Chiefs are willing to give him, you know, 23 touches in a game and goal line work. 
Yeah, so this was the most, you know, lopsided distribution of touches I think we've seen all season from the Chiefs in terms of the yeah. backfield. And it's all going in Isaiah Pacheco's favor. Um, obviously, he's not, using, he's not using a receiving game like Jarek McKinnon is, but that's just been Jarek McKinnon's game. He's just a pass-catching back. You could telegraph, you know, what their play is going to be. If he's on the field, they're not going to be handing it to him. Um, but Isaiah Pacheco, he's getting the carries. He looks good. He doesn't look like a bad runner. Obviously, the efficiency wasn't, like pristine it wasn't awesome but he's doing what he needs to do you know he, he's the early down back he's getting the carries it look i don't want to say they're getting you know overly balanced i don't say they're getting towards the run to the point where they're a balanced offense is still pass first but isaiah pacheco is definitely you know tipping the scale a little bit towards more run uh schemes and games yeah because they're they're up in games a lot too so that, he has that working for him Exactly. And, and exactly. Right. Like they're willing to run it if if they're up. Right. And yeah. that's good. That's good for Pacheco. And the fact that he's able to get those goal line carries, that's huge as well. Um, one thing to note is that Pacheco still ran 15 routes. Like he only had one target, one catch. It was a nice catch. Like, you know, yeah. he kind of I think he came out of the slot or something and then, you know, kind of ran like a quick slant, caught it like, like on a rope and, um, you know, and, and got some yard, 15 yards or something like that. So he ran 15 routes in this game. Um, McKinnon ran 20 so only five less routes than McKinnon he just ended up not getting targeted so that's a good sign as well it's not like he's just coming off the field for every route that needs to be run for every pass play that you know you know he's not coming off the field for those which is great Um, so hopefully he gets a couple targets moving forward so this is a good sign for Pacheco moving forward a couple targets would be huge for his fantasy value because right now he's getting all the rushing all the rushing work 100 percent um Kyron Williams I know I know the Rams offense is dog shit, but it's worth noting that he played 70% of snaps and those snaps were going up slowly. And now it's his backfield. Um, 11 carries, three targets. He had 21 routes run compared to only five routes for Cam Akers. Not a big day in the box score for Kyron Williams by any means, but, and it's because his offense is terrible. You know, he could have a little bit of that Damian Pierce syndrome, but I I think he's (laughs) holding onto He's worth holding on to, and he's worth picking up if he's available in your league. Um, you know, yeah. Allen Robinson is out for the year with a fractured foot now. You know, Cooper Cup obviously out for a while. Not great. Matthew Stafford also, like, might, he might not be back this year. Um, but if a running back is able to see 70% of snaps or more, maybe it even increases next week, who knows? He should be rostered at the very least. Yeah, I think Kyron Williams is a good pickup at this point. You know, we talked about him not sucking, you know, the past couple of weeks. And he doesn't look bad. He's just on a bad offense. And I'm not sure he's quite the talent Damien Pierce is, but you know, he's gonna have value because he's getting work on the ground and he's getting a couple, you know, passes going his way. And in an offense that's like the Rams, you know, and likely not many options outside of that, you know, Kyron Williams, he he'll be a decent start for you. Um, I don't think the Rams offense gets much worse. I'd still rather watch a Rams over the Broncos offense at this point, but um Kyron Williams. He seems to be the lead back. He, I think he has that on lock because the Cam Akers, he had eight carries. He didn't do a whole lot with them. And um, what's that guy's name? Rivers. Ronnie Rivers. He didn't have Ronnie any Rivers. type of touches or anything. No other running backs came up out of the blue nowhere to get, you know, any type of targets or, or touches. So I, I, I like Kyron Williams. You know, he's really the only thing that's going to be working for them in this offense outside of maybe Van Jefferson who had a maybe. touchdown. He did have a touchdown. He, had, he led the team with seven targets. That's a 30% target share from Bryce Perkins. Um so, yeah, I think he should be rostered in 12-team leagues or deeper, I would yeah. say. Tyler Higby, he didn't have his usual role in this game. He ended up with a donut. He was questionable coming into the game. He ran only 10 routes. Um, you know, if he gets some full practices in this week, he'll be worth starting in PPR again. If not, he'll be very risky, and I wouldn't bother starting him. I wouldn't drop him because the week before, he ran like 90% of dropbacks, but then he had a knee issue come up, and then now he went back into purgatory which sucks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's worth holding on to because he could end up leading this team in targets the rest of the way. Um, you know, when uh, Bryce Perkins was in the week before, you know, he got a majority of the targets, you know, from him. So, you know, don't – I know, he, I know, like, having a zero sucks. I didn't start him because it didn't seem like he was going to play, but then he ended up being active, but he only ran 10 routes. Didn't really yeah. work out either way. Um, now, on the other side of the ball, again, back, back, back to the Chiefs. If you're wondering what happened with Juju – um, he only had a couple ball, a couple catches in this game. He didn't have his usual role in his first game back. He ran a route 
on less than 50% of Mahomes' dropbacks. That should go up back to normal next week. Um, it kind of sucks that you know you had to burn a uh, you know starting spot for Juju this week, and he didn't have a full time role. You know, usually coming out off a concussion, um, you normally have your full rollback. But in this case, the, the Chiefs were kind of playing it slow, and the Chiefs really don't care. Like the Chiefs, the Chiefs rotate like players like I've never seen. Like yeah. Andy Reid has so many guys that he plays, so many rotations. Right, running back, wide receiver, like it doesn't matter. Um, but this yeah, guy Moore got true. some touches. <laughs> yeah, but even him, like he only ran like 15 routes. Yeah, um, which is crazy. Like he gets he, Sky Moore is being targeted at such a high rate on a per route run basis that when he ends up getting a full time role, like he's gonna be really good, especially yeah. with Patrick Mahomes. So I can't wait for that yeah. to happen. People talked about him as kind of filling that Tyreek Hill role, you know. And I know we said about Kadarius Tony doing that uh, a couple weeks ago, but that hasn't been the case. Juju Smith Schuster, you know, he had a quiet return. I think you could, you know, chalk it up to the fact maybe, okay, this injury, you know, this concussion was, it, it hampered him a little bit. And, you know, that's going to be player to player, whether they get their whole workload back or not. It's going to be finicky. But um, you could also chalk it up to the fact that they're playing the Rams. There was no pressure on the Chiefs offense at all this game. You know, they went up and the Rams offense was just like trudging along. They were hardly getting anywhere downfield. They didn't have to throw it a ton this game. That's why Isaiah Pacheco got 22 carries. Um, I wasn't surprised to see him have a quiet game. I think he's still turning a decent game enough to, you know, tell me that he's going to be fine. But um, yeah, it, this week, it's just bad luck that he didn't have a very good performance. But the Chiefs had no reason, to, you know, throw the ball a ton. And they didn't. Definitely. Um, yeah. So going back to that Packers game real quick, like, uh, you know, we talked about Christian Watson and, and Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, uh, but Miles Sanders, though, 21 carries, 143 yards and two touchdowns, his best outing of the season. <laughs> like, he yeah. balled out, dude. Of course, he had to go up against me last uh, yesterday, but I don't think any of us envisioned this type of potential game for Sanders this year. Like, I don't think he did either, right? He told us not to draft his ass. So, yeah, I don't even think he knew what was going on. Like, he was surprised as anybody. Like, he's like, oh, another touch for me today? Oh, okay, cool. And he did his thing, man. He, he had a really, really good game. And then Jalen Hurts, man, finished it with 157 rushing yards on top of his 153 passing yards. Yeah. Uh, you know, what a performance by him. There were a lot of fantasy points scored in this game last night. Um, but we, we did cover Christian Watson already. What a baller. Yeah. Um, not much else to talk about. Darnell Mooney, man, it seems like he he's going to be out for the season. Unfortunately, you know, didn't have the the best year, but we knew the type of talent. And then he was kind of coming on a little bit with Justin Fields doing his thing. So now Justin Fields is going to be down his best wide receiver moving forward. You know, even if he does end up coming back this year, which really sucks for Justin yeah. Fields. Now his wide receiver one is going to be Chase Claypool, and that's not really a good situation to be in. It's not fantastic. Um, you know, Chase Claypool, he didn't look too bad. He just didn't have a very high production, and that's just what you're going to get with this offense with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. Um, Justin Fields, I think, can elevate it a little bit, make this offense a little bit better. It does suck that he's not going to have Darnell Mooney because he was looking for him a lot. Um, he was a nice deep threat for the Bears, Darnell Mooney was, but Chase Claypool, he might be all right. He had that one catch. Well, it wasn't a catch, but he got Sauce Gardner on the one play for pass interference. I think there could have been another one where Sauce Gardner was getting a little pass interference there, too. Um, it was, it was early in the game, it looked like the Jets' corners were getting beat a little bit. DJ Reed had that one catch by Byron Pringle, of all guys, you know, at the beginning. But um, outside of that, there wasn't much going on. I wouldn't really rank any of these Bears receivers inside the top 24. I'd have trouble putting Chase Claypool inside the top 36 because it seems like the Justin Fields show is going to run now through Cole Komet and maybe – I don't know, passing to running backs. We'll see. We'll have to see how it comes how how it goes when Justin Fields comes back. But it definitely hurts having Darnell Mooney out. I wouldn't upgrade Chase Claypool too much from where we had him before. And he wasn't very fantasy relevant in the first place. I think that's really it. I mean, Michael Carter, we talked about his ankle injury. You know, ETN should be back. Jeff Wilson, you know, he had an injury, but he came back in the game. Hopefully he should be fine. Um, but if not, Raheem Mostert obviously would be the backup there um, to take over. But Jeff Wilson did come back into the game. Um and yeah, Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey, we went over the most of the injuries. It wasn't a huge injury week, um, but definitely a couple of in, impactful, uh, you know, situations when it comes to injuries. So yeah. I think that's about it. I think we covered most of the storylines for this week. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think of Brian Robinson getting 18 carries and Antonio Gibson getting nine? I mean, I know this is Washington's offense. It's not anything fantastic, but Brian Robinson, 
He looked good, and he got the receiving he, touchdown too. You have to pay attention to it. I mean, this backfield, you know, in terms of early down work, is going back and forth between Brad Robinson and Antonio Gibson. You know, there's nothing stable about it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, Brian Robinson, we know that they're willing to give him volume on the ground. Um, and, it, you know, as long as they're willing to give him volume, he's always going to be, uh, you know, capable of putting up, you know, an RB2 performance. Um, you know, is he an RB2? Can I rank him in the top 24? You know what I'm saying? Like, moving forward, mm-hmm. I don't think so. No. Um, but I can, you know, I think he's a viable flex play every single week. I would say he's a high in RB3 moving forward uh, every single week. Antonio Gibson is still the guy being involved in the past games. Like, you know, if I look at, I mean, I'll, I'll, let me, let's take a quick look at their usage yesterday. I have it here. He was on the field a lot. At least he only, he only so you know he caught he had three targets in this game but he only ran seven routes, uh, yeah. Brian Robinson. So that touchdown that he caught, you know, it was one of seven routes that he ran. So he's not the primary guy, um, you know, when it comes to that. So I wouldn't expect you know receiving touchdown you know at all moving forward anything like that. Yeah. But you know, it was this in terms of snaps, it was pretty split. You know, 50 30 snaps for Robinson and twenty six for Antonio Gibson. Um, and yeah, like you know, I guess at, at right now they just prefer to have Brian Robinson as their as their primary early down back, and Gibson bring being the primary passing down back right now. That's 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 how I see it. Um, but I don't think I can rank Robinson. You know, if you're only going to run that many routes per game, I don't think I can rank you even as a low end RB two because you're going to be touchdown dependent either way. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I I, I like seeing Brian Robinson do well. But you're right. This is, he, he wasn't super efficient anyway, and you're not going to be able to trust either, either of these running backs you know, on a week-to-week basis. So that's where it's going to be. I, I, I think I, I would still rank Gibson, though, as a low-end RB2 because of the fact that he, you know, he ended up only seeing three targets in this game, and that's not uh, normal for him. Like, like, usually he's been seeing more targets. Um, yeah. You know, they were playing Atlanta. Um, Atlanta, you know, let's see. Uh, you know, Atlanta isn't giving up a whole lot of, of volume. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to the passing game, so you know, the, it, I, I wouldn't over, you know, overdo it when it comes to analyzing this particular outing for, for these guys. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we've seen this go up and down, back up and down for Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson this year. So, yeah, you know, it's like trying to trying to really analyze this backfield to see like what's going to happen next week is is tough. At the end of the day, I look at this as a fifty fifty split, um, overall. Um, yeah, moving it's, forward, it's funny. I just I'm looking at the game log here as a final note that we said about you know three targets not being the norm for Antonio Gibson, but the past four weeks he's had exactly three targets a game. Really? <laughs> yeah, is that true? Yeah, um, and then so, before so that, before that it was seven. He caught all seven, and then before that it was four, 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 three. So it's weird that three target threshold is kind of where he's been. I didn't even it didn't feel like that. And if you it watch did not the game, feel like that at all. If you watch the game, he was running a lot of routes like a receiver. He was standing up, you know, not in the backfield. He's up on the line of scrimmage running routes like a receiver. I saw a couple of those, at least. Well, when a running back runs 14 routes uh, of your of the 23 dropbacks, then you know that, you know, you have a running back who could, who could get targeted. But yeah, that's a great that's a great note by you that he only had three targets over the last four games, which means that, you know, he's not being targeted at a high rate on, on a per route run basis. He was before that. And it's funny because before Antonio, before J.D. McKissick got hurt, he was being targeted four, 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 seven. He had yeah. an eight target game, too, in week one, it's, which is crazy. Like, how, how does he get less targets when it's J.D. Weird. McKissick is inactive? Ron Rivera no hates fantasy football. That must be <laughs> it. That must be how it goes. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, well, you know, I guess at the end of the day, like, you know, Heineke didn't throw the ball that much in this no, game. Um, it was really, you know, a game where they were trying to, and as, as much as they can, if they can establish the ground game, they will. I mean, Taylor Heineke is still Taylor Heineke, right? He's yeah. not, you know, he's not Tom Brady, right? He's no. not, you know, he's not one of those guys that's going to, you know, put the whole team on his shoulders, right? They're going to try to depend on the ground game and they're going to have Taylor Heineke just manage the game as much as possible. Yep. That, that's the way it's going to be. Taylor Heineke, like we said, if they can keep him from throwing the ball too much, you know, that's that's good for them. And that's been their script. That's what's got them from one and four to seven and five. They're six and one in the last seven games, which I find hilarious. But, you know, they're, they're doing what works for them right now. And that's, you know, running the ball and playing good defense. Um, Terry McLaurin was quiet, but Brian Robinson, I, I, it was just nice. You know, I thought 
would mention it because he had what was it his first hundred yard no, game? That's yeah. a good call out. Um, Antonio Gibson. Let's look at who they have next week. They have the Giants next week. Uh, I feel like that is a game they can also built a little bit on the run like yeah. gibson has 18 carries the week before he out carried brian robinson the week before that um but i think against the giants i think you could roll out brian robinson you know as a borderline rb2 yeah maybe i mean if if a running back like zeke who's super inefficient can have 16 for 92 or was it 15 for 92 what can brian robinson do right <laughs> no i agree i mean all year long the giants have been pretty vulnerable yeah. Uh, to the ground game, and they they've given up the what the seventh most rushing yards to running backs this year. So yeah, I think next week you can start Brian Robinson as a borderline RB two, someone who if they, he gets into the end zone with you know fifteen plus carries, then you, you're looking you're looking okay. Yeah, I think that should do it yeah. uh, for the most part this week. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. Hopefully, you're on your way to the playoffs. Wh- whoever you need tonight, you know, uh, I put up some underdog. Uh, you know, higher lowers on the Instagram page. Um, spoiler alert, I like a couple of these Colts wide receivers. I like both quarterbacks to throw at least a pick. Um, yeah, this <laughs> tells what kind game. of game we're expecting. I, I got Najee, I got Najee lower than his scrimmage yards total. Um, so check it out. Um, I put it up on my page, but go sign up with Underdog. You know, you get you're gonna get you know, uh, your, your first deposit doubled if you use the code upper hand up to a hundred dollars. Um, and you know, if you want to have some fun, you know, put, put some money on tonight's game, this is a great way to do it because you can multiply your money all the way up to 20x, you know, if you get only five picks right. So, yeah, that's it, guys. Take it easy. We'll see you back tomorrow, Tuesday, for the Wave of Water show at 9 a.m. Eastern time. See you later. Bye bye.